Welcome back to the Frustrated Fans, fellow listeners. Frustrated Fans, stealing your rose-colored glasses, one franchise at a time. And dead or alive, I'm your host, Pete. And I'm Jeremy, and I only have one arm until they amputate the other one. Ah, yes. So, our episode today is what we're calling Reboot Cop. And we're looking at the uh, remake of Robocop that came out in 2014. Spoiler! It's not very good! No. Actually, that's not really yeah. a spoiler, is it? <laughs> so, directed by Yohei... Uh, sorry. Jose Padil? Yeah, I Wait. kind of paused there. Who's in a... That guy. That guy, who's in a now long list of directors or people that we have no idea how to pronounce their name. Yep. I'm looking at what he's... He has done nothing else. He has done nothing, yeah. <laughs> He's a Portuguese filmmaker. Yeah. This was his first get... just straight-up English movie. So Right. Um, so the uh, screenplay was by Joshua... Oh, God damn tumor. it. Yeah. It's not tumor. a tumor. <laughs> um, based on the original Robocop. Uh, yeah. Well, based is a strong word here. And it stars Joel Kinnaman, Gary Oldman, Michael Keaton... A brief appearance by Samuel L. Jackson. God, the doctor was Gary Oldman, wasn't he? Yeah, it was. My God, I didn't even realize that. (laughs) Like, the minute he said Gary Oldman, for some reason the only image I get of him is as uh, Commissioner Gordon in The Dark Knight. And Mm -hmm. I, like, just in my head, I put the two, like, images of the two right next to each other and went, oh my God, that was Gary Oldman. God, what did he do to some per? what did he do in a former life to deserve getting put into this movie? Uh, whatever it was that he did to be put in uh, the dark uh, some other movies, he's been villain. Uh, he's been the bad guy in. So, all right. So this movie ran for just it just under two hours. Um, it, its original budget was a hundred two hundred thirty million, and it only made back about double that. So it was a success. Yeah. Wasn't a run, wasn't a runaway but success or anything. Probably just consider not. that the original only had a thirteen million dollar budget in the eighties, and it made back fifty three million. Yeah, and spawned two sequels. You can't and a live action, action movie for less than a hundred million nowadays. That's blasphemy. Well, yeah, the original not only spawned two sequels, a live action TV show. It also spawned a cartoon. You know, for kids. <laughs> Complete with. I, I wonder if any of the toys had cocaine snorting action. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's. What's your orig, What's your experience with the franchise? All right. Well, when I grew up, I knew nothing about the movies themselves. I never saw them, and I, I only saw snippets of one of the cartoons. I believe it was the Alpha Commando cartoon. With, yeah, it's the only one I think. Oh, okay. Then that was the one. Um. I'll check on that while you continue. Okay. So I remember seeing pieces of that and probably commercials for the toys. I finally saw the first movie shortly after I started college. And after only knowing about, like, the kid-friendly products and the spinoffs and stuff, all of a sudden I'm seeing a dude get his arm blown off. And I'm going, oh, this is a very violent movie. No, there was actually two cartoons. But oh. Continue. Uh, but you know what? That's part of the charm and fun of the movie, you know? It's over-the-top, kind of campy, very violent. It's fun. So, and I liked it. Then I saw RoboCop 2, and I got to admit, after seeing opinions of a lot of other people, I'm probably in the minority, but I really enjoy RoboCop 2. Yeah. You know what? I don't disagree. It's it's a little off the original, but it's still okay. It's still an enjoyable movie. It's not as good as the first one at all, but it's still fun. RoboCop 3, on the other hand, when I first saw it, I thought it was all right. Everything got toned down thanks to the PG-13 rating. They got way more toyetic with RoboCop. You know, he got a machine gun arm attachment and a jet pack, both now available at Toys R Us. And only three actors returned, but two of them stayed because his partner, Lewis, got gunned down about ten minutes into the movie. Uh, look, I'll admit, RoboCop 3 sucks. It's a bad movie, but I guess it's a little bit of a guilty pr- pleasure for me in some respects. It's got some funny moments. 
And even though Peter Weller did not return as RoboCop, I have to give the guy they chose to replace him credit because he did a really good job. And he actually kind of looked like Peter Weller with the makeup and everything. And I have to admit, RoboCop versus Robot Ninja was pretty funny. Especially when he punched the Robot Ninja in the face, his jaw got unhinged, he had like the creepy smile. That that was entertaining, in a stupid way. As for the reboot of it, I remember when I first saw the trailer for it, I just went, nope, not going to see this. And a friend that ha- read about oh, I'm sorry. read this, and he brought up a good point, is the new design of Robocop, which I didn't like, he said, it, it's basically the modern take on him. And I went, nope, that's a very good point. This is the modern movie-creating take on Robocop's design. So, you know, I, can't, I, I can fault them for that because it's generic as hell, but, you know, it does make sense. And... But about a few weeks ago, it popped up on Amazon Prime, and after I decided to take a break from watching really bad pay-per-views on the WWE Network, because there's a lot of fun stuff on there, including a pay-per-view where RoboCop shows up. And yes, RoboCop shows up and wrestles. I'm not kidding. <laughs> One of the most famous lines for that is, Uh-oh, the horsemen don't want any of RoboCop! Well, what did I think of the movie? Well, we'll get to that. Pete, what are uh, what were your experiences with the franchise before? Pretty similar. I can remember seeing snippets of all three films growing up, but I was they were kind of forbidden, so to speak. Um, I remember both. I uh, remember a little bit of the cartoon and a little bit of the live action series, but I really didn't bother. What I do remember most, uh, probably the biggest, is the any the. One of the NES games, at least. Um, checking on which one that is right now, because I remember going over to a friend's house and we played that. Yeah. I do remember growing up the uh, RoboCop versus Terminator arcade game. Right, but there was a one based on the first movie for the NES. Yeah, and I'm I pretty sure did, there's a sequel to that. I know they did three of them for the NES because I tried the ROMs of them. Yeah. And for what they were, they were a decent uh, translation. They weren't by LJN, I don't think. So, And he kind of controlled like a walking tank, but yeah, that's actually kind of accurate to how he moved in the movie, so I'll give them that. Right, and they did reenact major scenes from the, from the, ga- uh, from the movie, actually. Did they reenact the part where he's a human and gets his arm blown off? No, you're Robocop from the straight get-go, man. Yeah, but you do fight Ed 209 as well as... Uh, you get to do the reenact the famous scene where you're in City Hall trying to save the mayor. Nice! <laughs> yep. I like that. Uh, so it wasn't... I don't think either of us really saw this until we were in college and we actually sat down and watched the first movie. And like you said, when the remake was, was announced, my actual reaction was, uh, was basically I don't care. It's another remake, so to speak. Yeah. And as we found out watching this, I was not proven wrong. <laughs> but the first one actually is a really... I mean, it's it's pretty much fanboy essential. It's very well written for what it is. It's not to say it doesn't have flaws. But the effects still hold up today. The characters are good. And, you know, it's a actually pretty subtle... Um, story when it comes to what the morals is trying to teach on. There's a subtle evidence against corporatism. There's a subtle thing against uh, you know treating us when it comes to how police should interact with the whole business side. I just got to give it credit for having for something that wasn't done as often. It had a strong female protagonist who wasn't like just a sexualized character. Yeah, I want to get to that. Yeah, Yes, I definitely want to get to that, where this remake failed. What all that means, we'll get to after our first break here. And what if I told you that this could be accomplished without risking the life of one single law enforcement officer? How do I know this? Because it's happening right now in every country in the world but this one. I'm Pat Novak, and welcome to the Novak Elephant. We're back. So rather than go back and forth about, oh, this was better in the original, and oh, this is 
this was sucks in the in the remake. What we're chosen to do is I'm gonna touch on where they messed up with the elements of the original franchise, and then Jeremy's gonna take the lead on the movie on its own merits. So there's six major points here. First, the wife character. Yeah, this is an odd one. In the original story, Clara Murphy is not even in the movie proper. She shows up in flashbacks as Alex Murphy slowly regains his humanity. And he's and he finds out that she officially I mean, he's dead. So they're not married anymore. That's kind of a major uh issue with him. I just have the one thing, it's funny and uh because you originally called her Karen Murphy in the notes. I thought that actually was her name, but then you corrected it. I forgot what her name was. Yeah. Because that's like, I mean, she's a, I mean, she's there for, you know, there's reasons she's there in the original movie. In the new movie, I just could not for the life of me remember. I can't remember most of the characters' names. It's like with Dragonheart 2. I can't remember half the characters' names. Right. And the only reason she's in this movie is to, revo- is to basically force the narrative. To acknowledge Alex's humanity, she she's the one who signs the medical release papers for him to go off and uh, not die to go under all of this. She's the one who forces OCP to, to basically turn off the whole personality blocking program. She doesn't serve any real purpose other than that. Yeah, in the original movie, so, it was to show this is what this guy's life was before. This is why you should care about him dying and being turned into a robot. Right. Okay, and I, you mentioned a strong female protagonist, yep. Anne Murphy, Officer Anne Murphy, who was Anne Alex. Lewis. Oh, sorry, Al Anne Lewis, who was Alex Murphy's partner. When we see them in the first movie, we spend a good ten twenty minutes with them as partners before he dies. Yep. And so also, you get to know them. Something else that was really good too was she wasn't put in there to be like a love interest for him. No, she, they're just partners. Yeah, she never comes out like. It, she, it's one of those rare occasions in action movies, in movies like this in general, where she's just there as a tough cop, and she's, mm-hmm. she's a woman, and she's a badass. So, they take all of that... Oh, and the other thing Anne Lewis does in the original is she's instrumental in helping him find his original humanity. Mm-hmm. As well as helping protect him when they've got the mobsters after him. Yep. So, forget all that. Because Anne Lewis in here is changed to a male detective, Jack Lewis. And the only reason I'm bringing up race is because they bring it up. He's black now. Okay. Oh, For a really awkward joke. The worst line in the movie. Or one of the yeah. worst lines in the movie. So, I have to question, why? Why change that? I mean... she was a ma- she, Anne Lewis was a major first part of the, the first movie... But Jack Lewis did nothing critical other than save RoboCop at the end. Twice. Moreover, talking about police side characters, in the first movie, Murphy's captain is a... You can tell he's trying to keep the police force together as they're moving closer and closer to strike as OCP does not care about them and their benefits. Keep stripping that away. You can tell he's trying to just keep things going. But and he comes off as a tough but fair cop. In this one, it's another gender change. But she's secretly dirty. Why? What what is the benefit here? And nothing comes out of it either. No. Nothing comes out of it. We don't get she doesn't go to jail. Yeah. There's no like end to that plot line and they bring it up and then it's just forgotten about. Right. Third, OCP and themselves. In the first one, they're established as this kind of soulless corporation who um, they own basically all of Detroit, including the police. The, the Detroit government has contracted OCP to manage the police, and OCP is deliberately running them to the ground. And the reason for this is so they can replace the police with robots and later RoboCop. So the first movie has this really good message about responsible corporatism and wherein they should and shouldn't be allowed to operate. Here, OCP is just the bad guy for an anti-drone message. And granted, there is some subtle 
political moving as OCB tries to overturn the plot point of drones aren't allowed to operate on U.S. soil. But there's nothing of the original there. We don't see the intercorporate culture like as people are vying for the top slot. Or what makes them bad other than Michael Keaton's characters kind of pushing all of this. Not to mention the fact that the idea of Detroit itself, Detroit just happens to be the city it takes place in. Oh, we're not even shown how bad Detroit is. It looks we're just told fine. it's the vi- most violent city in the country. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the original Robocop, it looks like a crap hole. They at least yeah. make it out to look like there's a lot of problems and everything. In the new one, yeah, they show a couple. They do show, like, drug dealers and stuff, but it's... Eh. Yeah. Know. Okay, so then I'm going to go... I'm saving Robocop for last. But uh, the next is the mob leader. In the original, he's played by a very fun Kurtwood Smith with a malicious sense of humor. For those not in the know, that was the dad on that 70s show. So he's really good in the role. You can tell he's having fun. Oh, yeah. He's memorable. Even his some of his goons are memorable. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The guy with an annoying laugh. Or the guy who turns into a mutant at the end when he gets dumped <laughs> in toxic waste. Which was great. Um, I recognized him as I used to watch ER a lot, and he goes on to play one of the doctors in ER. Mm-hmm. So, I don't even remember the bo- mob boss's name in this one. He's barely in it, and when he is, it's just to show that some cook uh, cops are dirty. I'm bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even tell you his name. I can't either. I can't remember it. I can tell the original was Clarence Boddicker. Yep. Then a minor fifth point, the theme song. In the original movie, it's everywhere. It's in them all the major critical scenes when Robocop is really doing good things. Yep, when he first goes out into the streets. Right, which is, from a plot point, it doesn't do much, but it's in a great establishing for the character. In this movie, it shows up all of twice. The opening credits and the closing credits. I will give them this. The remix of it that they used did sound good. Yeah, I won't fault that. Yeah, I'll give them that. It did sound good. Okay, and then the most damning thing... At least it wasn't like a techno remix or, you know, like a crummy just destruction of what it originally sounded like. Okay. Which so they the could most, have done. <laughs> so the most damning thing about this entire movie is Robocop himself. First design. When we start out... When we first see the design of Robocop, it looks good. It looks like a good update to the original look. He's in the gray armor, and even that scene, that critical scene where we see only what's left of Alex Murphy, which you mentioned, that that was good, you know? You know, all we see is basically his brain, his neck and spine, and his l- heart and lungs are still there. Everything else is gone. That We didn't get that in the first movie. We were just kind of told basically his whole body was taken away except for some squishy parts. Yeah, which they actually do a good comment on in the second movie where in the second movie he's trying to – like he's kind of half-stalking his, his wife. And they say, do you think you can have a normal relationship? Beneath all that, you're just a bunch of guts and organs underneath all that metal. You're not right. even a real corpse. <sighs> then after all of that, we get this all- – Look, they, the Michael Keaton's character like, oh, we need to make him more tactical. Let's paint him black. <sighs> and you basically reduce one of the most iconic characters to a generic space marine. Mm-hmm. And, oh, making the, the visor red and seeable in the dark. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, because people won't shoot at that. <laughs> and as we later so, find out, that's like the weakest part of his outfit, too, because it keeps breaking. Mm-hmm. Moreover, in the original, the whole thing is Alex dies in the line of duty. Clarence Bodeker kills him. And he slowly comes back to life and regains his humanity by becoming RoboCop. Fine. It's your basic Jesus metaphor. I'm fine with that. In this one, Alex never dies. He's never dead. He's still alive. I'll be very, um... Crippled. Yes. But he never does the whole regaining the f- whole regaining his humanity arc. 
sure, they make comments that the computer overrides his action. He doesn't have true free will, and he adjusts his hormone level so he's compliant, and he slowly fights that. But it's not the same. It really isn't. It doesn't have any of the core imagery the original had. So that's – in six short points, that's basically everything um, that's wrong with the movie. Oh, one minor seventh point. The whole reason we have RoboCop in the first movie is because their robotic drone, Ed 209, does not work. <laughs> oh, oh my – It in the original movie, it shoots up the OCP office, killing one at least one man. Yep. <laughs> Really brutally. I, I like to. I never thought of this until I saw the everything wrong with for it, where he points out why did they arm this thing for a demonstration? Yeah. <laughs> um. But here, here we first see now we see that the Ed Two Nines work, but there are man-sized drones that work. So the whole reason RoboCop is even invented is so that the OCP can you has the political maneuvering and public relations to overturn the the so called Dreyfus Act that keeps from robotic drones from being used on states a US soil. Okay. Uh, and a good I'm gonna bring up my problem with that when I get there. <laughs> a good political story can be good, but this is Robocop. This is not the time for, you know, political drama. No. All right, but we'll get to your stuff in after this for next break. Sounds good. Walter Carroll, look at me. You have two options. Option one, I shoot you with 50,000 volts, which may cause respiratory failure, organ malfunction, internal burns, and loss of bowel and bladder control, and then I arrest you. Option two, you tell me where John Biggs' drug lab is located, and then I arrest you. You have two seconds to decide. All right. So the plot for the new RoboCop is a company called Omnicorp, which at the very end of the movie they say, by the way, this is a sub-company of OCP. <laughs> Rock on. They want to put robotic drones out in the streets in the U.S. because it'll make them money, and they're already making that money with them overseas by using them with the military. Which Well, our first scene actually starts with the Samuel L. Jackson's show, which is another point we'll get to, but they're over in Iraq. Yeah, which I have to I have to um, on something. When I first watched this, I didn't catch the part where they said they were over in Iraq or wherever they are. So I thought they were just in a random ta- city in uh the United States that just happened to be all Middle Eastern people. <laughs> And I thought the movie was being racist. And then I went, and then when I saw it the second time for the podcast, I went, oh, they're in Iraq. Oops. Right. <laughs> so basically saying, yes, the U.S. Army is allowed to use robotic drones that are soulless and will kill children. It's your basically whole message there. Yeah, because one of the robots shoots a kid that's wielding a knife. Oh, God. Right. Ham fist. So the argument of the government is these robots can't think or feel remorse, so they want to make a cyborg to get around this because that will solve the problem somehow. Meanwhile, Detective Alex Murphy is trying to take down a drug dealer. What the hell was the mob guy even doing in this movie? What Was he, was he a gun runner? Was he a drug dealer? I think he was supposed to be just a general, like, oh, no, Vito Corleone. He was a gun runner because they used the plot out of Lethal Weapon 3, where he had crooked cops taking the guns out of the, like, evidence bin and bring it over to him. Great. Yeah, let's steal that plot. Thanks. All right, so he has two corrupt cops, booby trap Murphy's car that explodes and turns him into a crispy critter. And so they get his wife to sign his charred ass over. We get RoboCop! Full of emotional turmoil and a doctor whose methods for helping him consist of letting him run around like an idiot and randomly telling him to calm down. Wonderful. Everyone in this movie is a moron, by the way. They do a couple of tests with Robo Murphy and realize the human mind is allowing him to make the immediate decisions. Robot mind would because, duh. They then put him in a system that makes his combat choices for him and... They say, but when he doesn't have the visor down, he can think and feel on his own, and they try to have a moral conundrum about this, but it, because it fails, because this movie doesn't know what it's trying to do. 
Murphy gets sent home with his human hand. Why does he have a human hand? Oh, right, for Pathos, so he can touch his son and touch his wife and stuff. Yeah, and I, I do love the moment where he first looks down at himself and he sees the human hand, sees the robot hand, and you just know right in his mind he's thinking, well, I'm not jerking it with this one anymore. Uh, he doesn't even have it, if you recall, but yeah. yes. Yeah. So then roughly ten minutes before they reveal him to the public, Omnicorp decides to dump the entire Detroit Police Department database into his head, and, oh my god, this overloads him. Look, I can't put more than five files on, my, on a freaking USB stick without it slowing to a crawl. Do you ever think you're going to dump an entire database into this guy's brain? Much over, do you really have a good system for putting computer data into human wetware? Yeah, and I love the fact that when it starts freaking him out, they don't stop it. The doctor just goes, Murphy, calm down! Murphy! Murphy! Alex! Alex! And he just keeps shouting that. I think he most of his dialogue just consists of him shouting Alex. Moreover, in the original, Robocop didn't have the entire police database. He had to research his own murder. Yeah. They even have the the point of it where he pulls like the data collecting spike out of his hand, which I love how he uses that to kill the main villain. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> and he pops it in and scans through the database. So... His brain is fried, so they dope him up, and he comes out as a stoner bot and says, Dave's not here, man. And he's off to solve crimes, and he barely looks like it has any problems, Detroit. He stops crimes. He ignores his family. We stop caring even more. We get bad acting and poor character development. Long story short, Robocop solves his own murder, even though he wasn't actually killed, so he's actually solving his attempted murder. I know semantics, but it's still stupid. Um, and yeah, I know this comes from the first movie. It was better than in the first movie, definitely. He solves it because he's less dumb than everyone else. Goes off and anticlimactically kills the drug dealer and his entire drug runner, or gun runner guy and his entire team. We then get actually a decent scene where he sits down with the two crooked cops, shoots one in the arm, and as the other one admits to the, it was the chief, and, and Murphy's thing actually says, you know, like, not a threat. He goes, Thank you. And he walks away and then zaps the guy with the taser gun. Yeah, why does he have a taser gun? I don't... I'm sorry to bring up the original movie, but the original movie, he was armed yeah. with a gun. That gun in the here, movie was awesome, too. Here, he he always uses the nonviolent solution first, which, okay, yes, that's topical, they, but... Well, they do mention that the taser gun can fire a powerful enough charge to kill somebody. So yeah. they do put... And I, I will admit... The one funny part in the movie, when he looks at people and, like, does the scan to see what their emotional state is, when he catches this drug guy, it's a, the description just says, totally stoned. I have to admit, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. So, Murphy then catches the crooked cro- cops, blah, blah, blah. He confronts the police chief, but is shut down because the OCP guy that helped train him is just a dick for some reason literally did i think the implication that he was involved in it somehow too i I guess so but i they didn't really say it outright yep so they passed the bill to get the robots as peacekeepers even though that makes no sense because they used cyborg murphy to prove that they can put drones that are nothing like murphy out on the street why that's a little bit of a plot hole there yeah I, i think almost tripped and fell into it so Michael Keaton's character, whose name I can't remember because I don't care, decides to kill RoboCop because RoboCop's not evil. And he's like, oh, he might turn on us. He's a hero. We should turn him into a martyr. <laughs> and you remember how the original had that really great plot point where RoboCop had a hardwired software that kept him from arresting anyone in OCP? And remember Seri- how it was actually hinted out earlier on in the movie where he goes through his three directives and then just says Directive 4 Classified? Right. Yeah, forget all that. Yep. So the doctor finally decides to grow a set in the conscious and saves Robocop, and Robocop goes to decide to kill Bruce Wayne or Michael Keaton and whatever his stupid name is. It's no boring fight with a bunch of Ed 209s because why not? He gets damaged. Because, again, Ed 209 was a huge threat in the original movie. Yeah, and this one he takes out, like, three of them by himself. Um, whereas one was a big problem in the first one. He uh, gets damaged. His partner, Lewis, shows up. And Robocop finds the head of OCP. And blah, blah, morals, blah, robot, his own choices. 
he cannot shoot red asset. Yeah, how they how they substitute the directive four thing is that we're told in the very beginning of the movie that if you're wearing a certain badge or watch that designates you as a red asset, that the the drones have to do everything in their power to protect you. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll buy buy that. But somehow this keeps Robocop from shooting the bad CEO. Except it doesn't. He's able to overcome it. And that's when they waste the best line ever come out of RoboCop, the whole dead or alive, you're coming with me. Which I'll get to stuff like that in a minute. Yeah. So he kills Michael Keaton, gets rebuilt, chats with his family. Samuel Jackson's stupid Bill O'Reilly parody says Mother Effer. We need to cover Jackson separately, but yes. Yeah, he says Mother Effer because he's Sam Jackson and he has to say that even though it's a PG-13 movie, so they bleep it because he's technically on the news, and the movie ends and nothing of value is found. All right, so what's what's wrong with this movie? Well, let's, let's first go with what's right. Okay, because that's a lot, I think that's that's a lot right easier. <laughs> it's like when yeah. we talked about Star Trek Into Darkness. What's right? These three things. <laughs> what's right? Okay. It doesn't, it's not a straight remake. Yeah, arguably, if it had been, I'd probably be less angry if they had actually tried to keep the, everything in place. But the fact that they were trying to do something different, okay, I won't fault them for that. Yeah, they tried. And to be honest, remaking a movie that is basically dead set in the 80s, this is the original movie is very 80s. It's hard to do something like that nowadays. You don't right. see stuff like that nowadays, which I wouldn't mind. But So I don't mind that they didn't try to copy it. Fine, good. Do your own thing. Good for you. At least you tried. You failed uh-huh. horribly, but you tried. Yes. Also, I do kind of like the few moments where they actually use music to try to set the tone, such as the like illusion scene where he thinks he's at a party with his wife and they're playing Fly Me to the Moon by Sinatra, and they randomly uh-huh. spin around and show that they're actually working on him, and then as everything fades away. I actually thought that was kind of cool. Right. And... The best visual effects moment in the movie, where they show Murphy in the suit, and he goes, you know, get me out of it, I don't want this anymore, and the doctor says, alright, let me show you what you are without this, and they peel away everything, and he's just a head with a brain, not even a full skull, he's got his lungs, which are in these two, like, containers, he has his hand there, which just looks kind of goofy, but other than that... It's pretty cool, and the and it's one of the few good acting moments where he's legit freaking out. Yeah. So that was really good. Uh, I really like that part, because when I first saw that and I was watching the movie, I went, all right, you know what? That looks pretty damn cool. That looks pretty damn freaky. And like I mentioned earlier, before they paint him black, the RoboCop look looks good. It's a good update of the original's armor design. If they had kept it that way, it would have less, lost a lot less points. Yeah. Which you then see at the very end, they go with the original silver. Yeah, they repainted him gray. Yeah. Okay. Which we so we don't even get to see him in action with no. that. Yeah. All right. So what's, that's what's good. Yeah. It, one of the main problems with this movie, actually, probably the biggest problem, is it doesn't know what it wants to be. The creators of this had no idea what it wants to be. And I'm going to go into the many, many things that this movie tried to be right after a quick break. Don't shoot me. Okay. I swear to Christ, it was Dean. She helped pull those guns. Just don't shoot me. Thank you for your cooperation. You can cuff him now, Jack. Okay, so the original RoboCop basically was an action movie. It had some good dramatic moments into it. It had some good campy moments. It found a good way to mix everything very well. There's even, when they do the fake commercials to kind of parody... of those. Yeah, that, the parody of the culture of the time. That was actually, those were good transition moments. I think one of my favorite one of those was in the second movie, actually. It was the way the second movie starts. This guy tries to steal a car, gets in there, the thing locks him in, and then he gets electrified and killed. And uh, they go, like, this is our new car security system. They dump the body out, and the guy just drives away. That was great. Mm-hmm. So 
the new RoboCop just feels like it has an identity crisis. It tries to do multiple things, but they never come together as one movie. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It we're not. It, it's there's not a lot of cohesion here. Yeah, the it, pacing is is really weird because they slow to an absolute crawl when it comes to political maneuverings of SCP, but the action scenes are either too quick to really appreciate, like the one in the dark, ugh, yeah, where he takes down the mob boss. At least show that with the night vision only or something like that, like with uh, like in Kick Ass. You know, when Hit Girl shows up and they show her with the night vision, like, first person, and they only sometimes show the oh, flashes? Even the Doom, even the first person segment in Doom was better than this. I actually never seen Doom, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, well, I know what movie we're eventually going to be covering. <laughs> yeah, eventually. Um, <laughs> so, right, so, with this movie... First, it tries to be an action movie, but there are very few action scenes in the movie itself. There's oh, God, the no. shootout in the beginning where Murphy and his partner fight a bunch of the gun dudes. There's the part where they're training RoboCop and let, and showing off, like, this is him versus how a machine works. They show him shooting up all the drones in a comedy set, in a segment that's played for laughs. And then there's no action for the longest time until you get that stupid fight in the dark. Then you get him versus the Ed 209s, and that's it. And, I and the Ed 209 fight is over so fast. Yeah. And it, if they just do the worst of shaky cam, you know... Oh, God, I hate shaky cam. For oh, those of you who don't know what shaky cam is, imagine if you have a handheld camera and you're just running after somebody. That's what shaky cam action scenes look like. It's just the yeah. camera going psychotic all over the place. There are parts of this movie, I had to close my eyes, I couldn't watch it. <sighs> so, and there's no tension. Like, when he goes to fight the three Ed 209s, it should have been this climactic moment. You know, it right, been- it was one of the best moments in the original, Ed when he has to fight Ed 209. And he gets his ass kicked, and it's really right. good. And the only way he avoids it is because the Ed 209 can't maneuver stairs, and it was hilarious. Yeah. But in this one, it's he shoots a bunch of them. He, rips off, he shoots off his own arm because it gets trapped, but it doesn't mean anything because he's a robot, so he doesn't feel it anyway. He runs away from them instead of continuing to fight them, even though he was winning and gets shot up more and blah, 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 blah. So, and then we get the showdown with the dick robot trainer guy, and that could have been a good moment. That should have been the moment where he, like, breaks free of the controller, finds a way to, you know, to trick him to be able to kill him. Or if, like, the guy's like, you can't shoot me or something, so he just shoots the ceiling and it falls on the guy's head. You know, something like that, just to, you know, show him using his brain to get around him. Nope, it's, it's Lewis shot, shot him in the back of the head and killed him. Thanks, that was over in two seconds. Well, they had to give Lewis something to do, I apparently. Guess. Instead of just stand in front of an Ed 209 be like, I don't want to fight you. So Ed 209's like, I won't shoot you. Yeah. Oh, so... Then the movie wants to be a family-friendly flick because he's got a family, he's got a kid, the kid likes sports, blah, blah, blah. Some of the action bits are played for laughs. But when you have stuff like in the beginning with the suicide bombers, a guy getting blown up by his car exploding, a scene where he's literally just a head, brain, and lungs, you're not grabbing the younger crowd with stuff like this, all right? No. Look, here's the thing. When this movie was originally being made, they set out to copy the first one's ultra-violence. But they started to go really over budget by doing this. Eventually, the studio ultimately chose to cut their losses and re-edited the movie down to a PG-13 rating. Which, a lot of movies nowadays get the PG-13 rating when most likely they should get an R, like The Wolverine. Um, Stuff like that should get an R rating. But the problem is, it's also movie studios want to hit the bigger audience because unfortunately sometimes you end up getting if you go for the full R rating you get stuff like the new Dread movie which was awesome it was a great movie but yeah it but, really was but it, comp- it was also more in tune with the original comic yeah. and it was and we may have to do a dueling Dread podcast in the future oh yeah that movie was great and it even had good like limited use of special effects in it too but mm-hmm. it was a great movie but it bombed financially because they couldn't get a big enough audience for it. So, unfortunately, what we get is 
really good movies that we're never going to see anything come out of because they don't make enough movie, um, enough money. Movie. No. So then you get the part where it's trying to play up morals. And is it right for robots to be officers? Blah, blah, blah. Look, blah. If you're going to make an anti-drone tract, make an anti-drone tract. But find a different vehicle for it. Yeah. Look, Robocop was never meant to... Yes, there is. there are subtle morals in the very first movie, but that's what makes it good. They're subtle. They're not beating you over with that, beating you over your head with it. And for all the second movie's problems, one of the cool parts about it was they show what would happen if they didn't put somebody like Murphy into the robot, if they put someone who had no moral compass, when they put the drug dealer guy into the robot. Mm-hmm. They think, oh, the drugs will control him so we can, you know, he'll be on our side. Nope, he immediately turns on them and starts snapping people's necks and right. killing everyone. So, they, you know, two here, pulled that off pretty well. I like that. Well, here, all we do, they're just, it's like, it's a tract. It's like this saying that drones are bad. Okay, fine. You want to say that there are a million ways better to tell a story mm-hmm. and not use Robocop to do it. Yeah. I, if this movie hadn't... Like, I almost would have been for them actually... You know what? If you really want to do a movie about this point, then why don't you just get the balls to freaking do that? Look, and do, and if you want to make the idea more gray, don't make the guys making the drones the bad guys. That's the problem in this movie. You're trying to... Right. Make, you're obviously... Everything in this movie is just... You could, they literally could have a point where there was a big fist with the ham next to it, and it would have been less ham-fisted than the plot. Alright? So, and look, I understand sometimes it's hard for sci-fi stuff to tackle, like, moral issues, because you're putting it against wacky stuff like this guy's half-robot. But Star Trek has proved that that's not impossible if you know what you're doing, which, obviously, the people who made this movie didn't know what they were doing. Right. There really was potential here. There, there was potential if they had just gone. You know what? Instead of making a RoboCop reboot, let's make a movie. Let's try to let's pick this idea. Let's make it gray, so we're not saying this side is right, this side is wrong. Let's say this side is right in these respects, but wrong in others, and vice versa. Then you could have actually had an interesting movie. But instead, you get a half-baked action flick that's not even good action-wise, has a bunch of crap characters, bad dialogue, poor acting, and just isn't interesting. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that, Pete, earlier you brought up Anne Lewis from the original movie. We both mentioned that she was a strong character, you know, strong female character. In this movie, there's three fem- main female characters, and they're all terrible. You've got the corrupt police police chief, who is, I think, maybe in three scenes in the entire movie, you've got whoever the heck the woman working for OCP was, who is just a total scumbag, and you have his wife, who is just whining and complaining, I can't talk to my husband, I don't know how to act, I suck, like, she walks out and stands right in front of him, you need to talk to your son. Which, I love the fact that they use that in the trailer, and completely out of context, it just makes her sound like a whiny idiot. Where in context, it at least kind of made sense, because OCP was preventing her from getting near him, which also made absolutely no sense. Yeah. Which, and also, I don't understand, they doped him up so he'd be fine to go out and talk, you know, and show up to the audience and everything. And I love the fact that, so he goes out there, he shoots a guy with a stun gun, and they capture him, they find out he's a murderer and, and rapist or whatever the hell he was. And she goes, he shot someone in front of our son. I'm like, he tased the guy. If he blew the dude's head open and his brains flew everywhere, I would understand you got a problem with it. He shot the dude with a taser. I guarantee your kids seeing worse stuff like this in Power Rangers. <sighs> you all right there? <laughs> uh, so... The last, you know, well, I'll get to the last problem I have with this movie after a quick break. Well, there you have it. 5.6 seconds behind scenario failure. Wouldn't buy that for a dollar. Home. Home. He's calm, folks. We're okay. Centered. Okay. My my last problem with this movie is the quote-unquote shout-outs 
to the original movie, which all of them feel like the ones that were done in Star Trek Into Darkness. Instead of being cute little references to the original that just makes you like, oh, you know, reminds you of where they got the idea from, it's more of, hey, remember this from the original movie? It was cool, right? No. It's yeah. not cool. None of them are good. You've got the point where the Dick Trainer guy is like, look, your robot's not, your robo dude's not doing very well. I wouldn't buy that for a dollar. Oh, it's funny, because that was in the original movie. And the whole dead or alive, you're coming with me. Yep, which felt really out of place, too. Yeah. So, it just feels like blatant pandering to fans of the original. And if I don't mind references in a reboot. I really don't. Like, subtle things, like... The, one of the good references in Star Trek Into Darkness was when they showed the different models and you see the NX-01 model in there. That was fine, because it's a nice, subtle call-out. But just like in Into Darkness, where they went, Hey, Bones, what are you doing with that triple over there? Yeah, no. This bad. Bad filmmaker. Bad. Yeah. And if, you're, if your movie isn't strong enough to stand up on its own one-liners, yeah. Yeah. Which the old is- ones aren't going to make it okay. If anything, it's just going to make people remember the original movie and go, oh, right, that was better than this. So, overall, don't see this. For the love of God, don't watch this movie. Go watch the original. Go watch RoboCop 2. Hell, I'll recommend RoboCop 3 over this. I I honestly think RoboCop 3 is at least more entertaining bad than this. Let's be honest. If If this was no RoboCop thing here, there was nothing element of RoboCop, it would have been a... C minus sci-fi movie. It would have been a decent. It would have been a below average just sci-fi semi-action flick. But by using the RoboCop license, it's just, it's just bad. Yeah. There and to be honest, there was no reason to remake RoboCop. RoboCop was like I said earlier. RoboCop is firmly a product of the eighties. There's. No, it's a good product, but it's a product it, of the eighties. Exactly. And I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing. It's. It stands in its own time. That's the time period it was made. It makes sense. There's no reason to remake this movie. There's a, Some movies, like, I'm fine with the reboot of Star Trek because it gave them the potential to take a series that had gotten stale and try to do something new with it. Now, whether or not it's been a good thing has shown we got a good reboot and a really god-awful follow-up to it. So we've yet to see if that's actually a good thing. But... RoboCop also... The other thing is, RoboCop 1 did really well. RoboCop 2 did not do as well. RoboCop 3 did worse. This series had diminishing returns in the first place. Why would you want to go back to something that had diminishing returns? Why would you want to go back to something that just pretty much naturally died and faded away? Well, the the, the problem is that they're assuming nostalgia will get butts in seats. And And we're seeing this, that... And to be fair, there is some series where this definitely applies, like the terrible Michael Bay Transformers movies. Yeah. Make a lot or of Bay Turtles. Yeah. And, I mean, I'd almost be willing... Uh, I don't know what's... I'm not sure really what's worse, which is rebooting something from scratch all over again, which, in some cases... Again, the Star Trek reboot, the 2009 one, was good. That was a fun movie. Ignoring the crappy follow-up. I don't know if that's better, or if Sorry. doing a follow-up to an older movie, kind of like how Superman Returns was supposed to be the follow-up to Superman 2, which, uh, okay. We may need to do that one. Yeah, and I guess in some cases this can be good. Like, I saw Jurassic World a couple weeks ago. I actually really like that movie. and I haven't. It's okay. I, I thought it was really fun, and I haven't seen the original Jurassic Park since that was in theaters, and I never saw the two sequels, but... This one you was, didn't miss much. Yeah, and this one, they base, they also said the same thing. They're like, you didn't miss anything. We're ignoring those two. This is a sequel to the original. Have fun. This is... Essentially, Jurassic World basically was Jurassic Park, like, bigger and different, which was actually fun. But with this, it's not. And I would like movie studios to come up with original ideas. I know the big thing right now is use existing stuff because comic book movies, or at least Marvel comic book movies, are huge money makers. So Mm -hmm. I I get movie studios want to look back into their own backlog and be like, what was really good? What do we think we can bring back? Put a little bit more thought into it next time. Or 
with this one, again, if they had just made it into its own movie and actually tried to tell a good message or tried to do a good action flick and have people go, oh, this feels like the spiritual successor to RoboCop. You know, like video games do that a lot, whereas games are seen as, quote-unquote, the spiritual successor to a previous one, to a previous franchise. Uh, GoldenEye to Perfect Dark. Yes, exactly. And Perfect Dark is a fantastic game. Uh So... I don't mind – I wouldn't mind – I would actually like it more if they started doing stuff like that, where if we get spiritual successors so the originals can stay as they were and we get something new. All right, yeah. so uh, what, are we, what are we doing next time? Uh, hopefully well, because I like this. to torture you. Um, no, no, no. no, like no. To We're doing something better than this, right? Right? Uh... Well, I do like to torch you, and we haven't done any anime in a while. Oh, so so, so we're, wait, no, wait. So we're doing something good, right? We're going to cover like the the four part corpse party OVA, so I can give you nightmares, or we're going to cover. Uh, well, it'll give you nightmares, but so we're going to cover uh, the Ghost in the Shell movie. No, oh, no, we're not. We're going to cover see, Metropolis. See, there there is a series that uh, VG Cats once described as. Uh, Dragon Ball Z for girls. Sailor Moon? No, no, no. That would be actually entertaining if we had a female perspective to come in on the show. See, there's this, uh... Oh, gosh, what? It's uh, about a half-demon and quasi-furry, and you already are hating my guts right about now, aren't you? No. No. Please, no. I... Yeah, we're going to look at the first, uh, let's say, no. two, three episodes. Oh, God! <laughs> oh, God, Inuyasha. No! Oh, God. Look, I'm you gonna... can make episode 32 be something I hate. Oh. Oh. I'm not sure what that's going to be, but... I'll, I'll find something, I don't know. We're going to cover something wrestling-related. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't... You'd have to get a co-host for that, because I wouldn't... Uh, I would not watch it. Well, I already know what I'm going to have to do. Thank, you know what? I, you know, I, I I realized why I was in a better mood when we covered Dragonheart 2. This was my Hyperdimension Neptunia Blu-rays came in the mail. I'm going to rewatch that show again after having to watch these episodes of Inuyasha. Okay. Neptune, the great, the greatest, uh, well, soother. Save me, Neptune. Next time, folks, Save we're going to look at the first couple episodes of Inuyasha. We'll see you later. No. Dead or alive, you are coming with me.